Good morning. Welcome home. So glad to see so many of the people I love. And Eric? Yeah. No, I love Bill. Most of all, that's what I meant. Most of all. Good to see you. Welcome home. I think you know, I love him. I do. It's time for Children's Church. If you're a child, this is your chance to escape. Yeah, you're going up. You're going up this this week. Good to see you. All right. Love you guys. Especially you. Especially you. Hey, uh, welcome to uh, week two of our Hopeful series. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad. It's, it's just going to build and keep getting better. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please open them to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, but you would like to blend, look into one of the seats in front of you. For a brown hardback Bible, you want to turn to page 1164 in that one. If you have your phone or your tablet with the free Version Bible app on it, um, it you want to boot that up and quiet it down. That's it. Thank you. Uh, we do have a live event on there for you with all the screenshots loaded on there. And we do have a live event question. So hang with us on that. My friends, there is more hope laid up and available for you and for me than you and I have ever imagined in quantities that we can't measure for as many areas of our life as we can think about. This is what the kind of hope that we're talking about is stronger and more bulletproof and sweeter than any of the tests or trials or problems we might face. It's the kind of hope that will kind of get under your skin and infuse your soul and keep you held and confident and strong in your faith and looking forward and believing the best regardless of what life throws at you. That's the kind of hope we want to be full of. Now, and I, I know that not all of us really believe that that kind of hope exists. But don't you wish it did? Don't you wish it did if you don't? I mean, if that kind of hope really existed and you, you put it out for sale, people would give everything they own to get that kind of hope. But it's not for sale. It's for free. And at least that's what Jesus Christ says. That in Him, you can have this hope. And, and, and maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I'm just a generally pretty hopeful, optimistic. I'm a, I'm a hopeful person as it is. Look, even the most hopeful among us, I believe, is just scratching the surface of the life-changing hope that God is calling us to lay hold of. But there's a problem. The problem is there may be something in you, there might be something in me that is stealing this hope. And we want to do something about it. So today we're going to talk about recognizing it and taking it back. You up for that? Okay. Charlotte's ready for that. A couple of you others, you're going to say, I'm going to see how it works out for Charlotte. If it looks good, I'm coming. If not, yeah, I got other things. Hey, I, hey I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm stick with Charlotte though. All right. Let me tell you a, a gross story to start off with, okay? Okay, this was some years ago where some researchers did an experiment to see how hope affected people who were undergoing like a trial. 
hardship, right? So these researchers had two large tubs of water and two sets of laboratory rats. Well, the first set of rats, they just introduced to the water. They just put them in there and they left them alone. They did nothing. And after an hour, all the rats in that tub had drowned. They were dead. In the second tub with the second set of rats, they put the rats in the water. And intermittently, once in a while, they would come in and they would just lift one rat up and, and then immediately put it back down. And they would do that for each one of the and then leave them. Those rats stayed swimming for more than 24 hours. Why? Well, it wasn't because of the rest that they'd gotten intermittently. It was too, too short, right, to do that. The reason that these, these rats felt uh, that they had some, somehow some hope because in their past, there was a memory that someone could come and rescue them because they had experienced that rescue. That's what happened to ha- them in the past. You see how important that was. So based on this story, you and I can know three things. Number one, all the rats on the Titanic probably drowned. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just as I think about that, they're probably pretty hopeless. They probably all drowned. Um, you will take comfort to know that no rats were injured in the preparation of this message. So, good. Um, seriously, now, number two, we know this. If hope is so powerful for rats to extend their life by 24 times, how much more powerful is hope for you? And for me. And the big one is number three. Take a look. Your current hope is tied to your past experiences. Your current hope is tied to your past experiences. Because here's, here's what it was with the rats. With the rats that had, been, that had a memory, that had a past experience of somebody coming and rescuing them. Even briefly. Even briefly. They had hope that this could happen in the, again. And so they endured what other rats could not endure. They lasted. They outlasted. They lived longer. Far longer. Over, uh, under circumstances which literally sank their, their, their friends over here. But the rats that, that had no recollection, no past experience, no memory of, of rescue, of hope, well then they expired quickly. They lost all hope. And so what we see is the determining factor of how much hope they had was what happened in their past. And in that respect, you and I are no different than rats. In fact, um, I've been called a rat before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was before I met Cherie, Tim. It was good. It's good. Yeah. The connection between how much hope you have and your past, I've, I've kind of hammered that a little hard. Because that's the key to what we're talking about today. That's the key. Um, It all has to do with this. Might as well show you now. No, no. It all has to do with this. Can you see this? Can you see what this is? Can Can you see that? Yeah? You know what it is? It's a what? Yeah, it's a rearview mirror. More specifically, it's uh, the rearview mirror from Eric's new truck. <laughs> You'd be amazed how easy this comes out. It just, I'm sure you could just glue it back up there. Um, so you guys know that it's a rearview mirror. I'm glad. 
Why don't some of you use it when you're pulling out a city market, huh? <laughs> you know the ones I'm talking to. If, if I'm talking to you, you know. That's okay. Uh, hey, I don't want us to be thinking about a rearview mirror in our car or our truck today. I'd like us to be thinking about the rearview mirror of our life. Rearview mirror of our life. That's what we want to take a look at. What you see in the rearview mirror of your life depends, determines rather how much hope you have for the future. What you see and how you see in your rearview mirror of your life determines what, how much hope you have now for the future. And God loves you so much, He doesn't want what you see or how you see in your rearview mirror of your life to steal one moment, one ounce of the life-changing living hope that He wants to give you. And that's the truth. Look, um, your past, your memories, my memories, are full of experiences. Some of them, pretty awesome, pretty wonderful. But some of them are pretty dark and pretty painful. And it's those dark and painful times that, that I want us to just think about for a little bit. Because they have the power, unless something happens, to steal our hope for the future. Now, I want you to think about this. Imagine that your life is a movie. Now, today I'm not particularly concerned with what it's rated. Not today, okay? Your life is just a movie. From birth till now. And you're given the power, you're given the ability to edit or rescript this story. Aren't there parts of your life, dark chapters, occurrences, that you're going to want to edit out? That you're going to leave on the cutting room floor? Yeah, and they probably end up in, in two categories if you're anything like me. Number one of the things that, that cause us pain and shame and regret that I'm responsible for, that you're personally responsible for, our own sin, our, our way we've treated people, the way we've treated God, the decisions we made, those kinds of things. And the other, the other category of those things that, that are dark and, and we would edit out is probably for you, just like it is for me, things that other people, hurtful Damaging things that other people have done to you, even your own family or friends or maybe a stranger. But those two things, you put them all together and those are the things that we would probably edit out. Now, um, in any group this size, as soon as we start talking about that, for some of you, right away, right away, you know some of those things that you would cut out, if you could, out of the movie of your life. So that's our live event question for the day. Here we go. Um, if you're doing this on your phone, great. It is completely anonymous. If you're not, just do it in your head. What would you edit out of your past? If you had that ability um, to edit out those things in your life, um, play along at home in your head if you don't. Uh, there's two categories, the kinds I was talking about, my sins, and you're not describing Tom's sins, you, this would be yours, right? And, and how others hurt me. Now you can separate them with a comma or a slash, and again, this is completely anonymous. We just uh, asking you to share your heart, and we'll see what, we'll see what we got. Okay.
Let's read through these and then we'll refresh it. If you're typing in, keep going. Um, okay. Oh, good. Um, my jealousy and selfishness, how people in school rejected me for not being pretty. Okay. Pursuing relationships out of lust, being stabbed in the back by members of the church. A past relationship. Cutting words meant to tear down, betrayal, past relationships, sins in adulthood, childhood trauma, my childhood and how I treat people, hurting my wife, being told I'm not worth anything, stealing, being cheated on, hurting others, deceit, harsh treatment, premarital sex, parents' divorce, fear and abuse, hate, unforgiving, being blamed for my own physical abuse. Those are all things. And whether you were the ones that typed it or not, um, and now they're going to go away. They're just going to go away. They point to things in all of us that we have done or been done to us that really deserve to be edited out. That if we had our way, we'd just delete them out of the, the movie, the story of our life. How much more joy do you think we would have if we could edit out those parts? How much more hope do you think you would have if we could edit out the immeasurably more hope? Right? But here's the thing. Unfortunately, there is not a life movie app that allows you and me to edit out those dark and painful parts. There isn't. And so what we end up doing sometimes is listening to well-meaning but bad advice from friends that say, get over it. Get over it. Move past that. Move on. The past is the past. And so we try that. We try to put them in a closet or somewhere and close the door and move on and leave the past in the past but it doesn't seem to be working as we move on. Even some of us who have moved on by deciding to follow Jesus, if we're real honest, and I still believe we can be in church, if we're real honest, even the Jesus followers might say, sometimes this leaving the past in the past ain't working. At least not the way that I think it should, not the way the Bible kind of says it should. I mean, there are some times, some seasons, some chapters, some days and months where I'm really able to distance myself from that. But other times, it's right there. It's right there. And it's stealing my hope. Why doesn't, why does that happen? Why does that happen? And we don't have hope for some of the, the key areas of our life. Take a look at those. You have hope for relationships, new direction, new patterns, changed desires, freedom from habitual responses, uh, less defensiveness, victory over fear and anxiety, less insecurity, and all of the great things that come along with hope. Take a look at these. Growth, victory, blessing, effectiveness, purpose, ever-increasing faith, overwhelming peace, lasting joy, radical love. Those things all come along. They all ride the hope train. So when we have our hope stone, we have all of these things. 
that aren't realized the way that they could be. Why doesn't closing the door and closing it tight and painting it over so you can't even tell there's a door there and deadbolting it and putting all the furniture, why is that working? Why isn't that working? Because look at me. Because until you and I have our past and our memories forgiven and healed, we're still allowing them to steal our hope. As long as we have a rearview mirror that has memories of us not forgiven and not completely healed, we're giving them a way to steal our hope. But there is a promise. There is great hope in God for you. In fact, it's a promise that you probably already know. And the reason you probably already know it is it comes from the 23rd Psalm, which many of us are familiar with. In fact, a lot of people who don't know the Bible or don't even really believe the Bible know this. It's four small, simple, but power-packed words that change everything. Take a look. Would you read that with me? Just those four words. He restores my soul. Read it again. He restores my soul. One more time like you really believe it. He restores my soul. Those words are so powerful. And if we could just hear them beyond our ears, beyond our minds, hear them with our souls, they could change everything. Hear it as if for the first time because here is a God who is so madly in love with you. He wants to restore. Now, He's smart, right? He created everything. He wants, including you, He wants to restore. He knows that there are things inside you. There are things in here. There are things in here. There are things in here that haven't been totally forgiven. They haven't been totally healed. They're damaged. They're shattered. They're bruised. They're torn. He wants to restore your soul. And that is such great news. That is what he wants to do. Take a look. Here's what he wants to do. God wants to bring healing to your pain, light to your darkness, peace to your past, freedom to your bondage, encouragement to your despair, and restore hope to your soul. And that promise in Psalm 23, He wants to restore your soul. It keeps getting better. Here's what He wants to do after He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now that He's restored your soul, He can take you places. He can take you new places. He can take you into hope. He can take you into light. He can take you into freedom. He can take you into new directions. He can take you to a new life of living hope, like we talked about last week. He can take you to a place that is overflowing with hope that you never thought you had the right to expect to enjoy. He can take you there. And that's been the whole plan from the beginning, that Jesus would come in, right, He'd do His work and He'd recreate in you and me the people that He originally created us to be. When He formed you, when He dreamed you, right? He would change you into Himself. He would spend your life making you into the woman, the man that He dreamed of when He made you. Yeah. And that's what the Apostle Paul, 
talks about in one of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians. Take a look at this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you know, I just, you know, just a sidebar. If you are a believer, if you have surrendered to Jesus Christ, if He's the Lord of your life, if He's your Savior, this is already how God the Father sees you right this minute in Christ. There's a God of all the universe who looks down, He sees His girl, He sees His boy, He sees you in Christ as beautiful, holy, obedient, always having been obedient, always going to be obedient. Do you realize? Spotless, treasured, adored, His dude. I don't care how you say it. That's how He sees you. The problem is, that's not how we see us. Why? Well, because because of this. Because I know I've seen this rearview mirror of my life. I know there's stuff. I know I believe that's true, like kind of, you know? But if I really bought it, if you and I really bought it, then we would grow to see ourselves the way that God sees us. But the reason that we don't is we have a past. We have a rearview mirror. We have memories of all those times when we have either done the damage or been damaged by other people. And so we believe lies. We believe lies about ourselves. See if these sound familiar to you, any of them. All you will ever be is what you have always been. You are what you've done or you are what has been done to you. Ever heard that one? Your past has forever stained you. You're disqualified from the beautiful life God wanted for you. Your past will always haunt you. You're hopeless. We believe those accusations. We believe those lies because there are those things in us that rob us of our hope, that haven't been fully forgiven, haven't been fully healed. You know, it doesn't matter how tight you have that door on your past when you hear that stuff. Here's, here's what we have to do. Take a look. You and I can't go forward into hope until we go back into healing. And both of those things, for, for both the things that we've done, as well as the things that were done to you. In order to go forward into hope, we have to go backward into healing. And so, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, some of you are thinking, I just look. Dude, it was a beautiful day, and now we're talking about the pain of my past. I just want to go to my happy place. Look, that's where we're going. I promise you, that's where we're going. It just goes through the dark night, just for a minute. But it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, Peter, the apostle, told us how to get there. He told us how the gospel, Jesus going to the cross for you, changes everything about your past, my past. Um, I had asked you to turn there, First Peter Chapter 2, we're picking it up, we're just looking at one verse, verse 24. Here's what Peter wrote. He himself, this is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the God of the universe, he himself bore, carried, owned, became our sins in his body on the tree, that's the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Okay, let's pause there. That's the that that we talked about, right? That's the part where I've sinned, 
I messed up. I hurt people. I ignored God. I did those things that are that I don't even want to. I don't even want to cop to. I don't even want you to know about. That's he's taking care of that, and it goes on. By his wounds, some some translations of the Bible will say by his stripes. He was whipped. It's stripes. You have been healed. That's the second part. That applies here to in what we're talking about to the second part to the. Parts of your life, of your story, of your life movie that you want to edit out because of the ways other people have hurt you. By his wounds, you have been healed. So Jesus is taking care of both of those things. He wants to do two things. He wants to forgive us for sin and he wants to save us and set us free from its power over us to condemn us and steal our hope. That's the only way. That is the only way to keep the past from stealing your hope of the future. But to do that, we have to go back to the rats. We have to go back to the rats. Do you remember this group of rats that had a memory of a past of having been rescued, had the hope for the future? But the problem is we have this memory of having not been rescued, don't we? Whether it's from our own sin or the sin of others against us. So how do we do that? How do we make that shift? How do we become people with memories, with rearview mirrors, full of images of being rescued? Well, the answer is not to go to our life movie and edit ourselves out of our most painful parts of our past. The secret is... To not edit ourselves out, but to edit Jesus in to the most painful parts of our past. Look at me. Because in truth, in reality, He was there with you. He was there for you. Take a look at what Peter wrote to us one more time and then we'll show you how specifically to do this. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins on his body, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. When he was there, when you and I were sinning, he was there paying the price for that, setting us free from that, even as we're becoming enslaved to it. Washing us clean even even as we're trying to stain ourselves. Do you see that? It goes on. By his wounds you have been healed. When someone, when some ones are abusing or hurting you. Jesus was there being wounded on your behalf. So, so here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. Um, this is what we're calling. We're calling it the Jesus took my place experience. Now, if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down, but you don't have to. All the text from what I'm about to walk you through, which I encourage you so strongly to do on your own time, because this will change everything for you. Some of you are going to have breakthroughs you didn't think were on the table for you. This is this helped me greatly and it's very scriptural. You don't have to write this down. We're going to leave it on the live event all week. Okay, so if you don't have the free YouVersion Bible, get it. Talk to one of us. We can show you. You can, All the notes are on there and the podcast will be up. The Jesus Took My Place experience. First, for the things that we've done, that you and I have done, the sin that we've committed, the damage that we've done. Go back there. Go back there in prayer. 
and edit Jesus in. That as you see yourself doing this, saying this, committing this, picture Jesus right there next to you on the cross. As you're doing it, He's paying for it. As you do it, He's paying for it. So here you see you and Christ. And we see the seriousness of what we've done because it made the cross necessary. But we also see the incredible love that made Him want to do that for us. And when we see those two things, we see that we're there and we're completely cleansed. You see it and you pray this. Jesus, I claim your full payment for my sin. There is no more that ever needs to be paid for me to be fully forgiven and set free from all guilt and all shame. And you will, you will sense that the guilt and the shame is being taken away from me. Listen to me. There are people on their deathbeds who are octogenarians and older whose lives have been choked because they don't feel fully forgiven and free from stuff that happened in their teens. If you doubt, it's robbing your hope. Go through this. Go through this. It will set you free to hope again. For the other part, for the things that people have done to you, it's a little bit different. It still requires bravery in prayer to go to this place you don't want to go to. To go to that place in your mind and in your heart and edit Jesus in. But this time it's different. This time you put Him in instead of you. In your place. Where you were experiencing what you experienced. Instead of you. Because what He says is, by my wounds, I heal you. And I was there and I want to put it on me so I can take it off of you. And there we see the ugliness of what was done for you. And the incredible love that eclipses all of that darkness and ugliness that would say, I love you more than I hate this thing. I'm taking it on me so you can be free. Edit him in and see that and pray this. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering this pain, this abuse in my place on the cross by your wounds. I am healed. My friends, you, you do life with people who struggle their whole life because they're defined by their hurts. And I'm not coming down on them. I'm one of them. Okay? But we can now be defined by our healing and our healer and our hope. That's what's on the table for you. That's just Jesus' experience. The, 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 the Jesus took my place experience. Now, there's others of you here. And I get this. You're saying, look... I'm a pretty hopeful person. I'm a pretty hopeful person. I don't know if there's something in my past that I've done or been done to me that might be stealing my hope without me knowing about it. That is entirely possible. Here's what you do. Here's your homework. Okay? I need you to pray with a pen and a paper or however you work with your thumbs on the phone. Yeah, younger generation. You know, uh, so you're going to take notes, but you're going to pray, okay? You're going to ask God two questions. 
two questions, one at a time, so that you have time to ask Him and then be quiet and then write down. You're going to listen, not with your ears, with your mind and your heart. When you tune your ear to that kind of voice, you're going to hear it all the time. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you're also going to be able to tell when other things are talking to you that are not Him. Okay, that's a different sermon, different time. So you're going to ask Him two questions. First one, God, what in my past needs to be healed? What have I had from you? What, what needs to be healed? Then you're quiet and you wait. If you're anything like me, it's going to take a little bit. But once it starts, you better write fast because it's going to come. It's going to come. Just write it down. That's all you have to do right now. When you feel like it's quieted down, and it will, ask the second question. What in my past needs to be forgiven? I'll just never let you touch. Right? What is that? And you be quiet. And write what he lays on your heart. And if you're anything like me, it'll take a minute. Maybe some things at the top. But once it gets going, look, don't feel condemnation. God only reveals to you that which he wants to forgive, that which he wants to heal, that which he wants to bless. So you have these lists. doesn't matter if you have one or ten things on. You bring those back to the Jesus took my place experience. You go through that with them. My friends, you're going to have a breakthrough at the level that the gospel touches your darkest moments and allows you to hope like God wants you to hope immeasurably, immeasurably much. And if you will do this, and you can't do it here, this is something you've got to find alone time, quiet time to do. If you discipline to do this, everything will change. You'll be able to hope that you haven't had a capacity to hope. And when you get those accusations, you're nothing. You're going to become what you've always been. You're going to become what your old man was. You're going to become what your mom was. This, this pattern in your family, it's going to repeat itself in you. This thing that you've done is going to stay in you forever. This is the definition of you. This is how you're going to be. You're hopeless and you're, you forfeited this this ability to have this life because of what you've done and what somebody's done for you, you're going to have an answer. An experiential answer. And here it is. That's not true. Jesus took my place. I am a new creation in Christ, in Jesus. I have boundless and living hope. You do. You do. And trust me, This is not mental gymnastics. This is spiritual warfare in the inward parts. Okay? You are connecting with what is real. And if you do this, and if you and I make a habit of doing this, we are going to enter into a realm of hopeful that you didn't even know existed, or if you did, you didn't think you had the right to enjoy, but you do. And you can be hopeful at times that it appears stupid to be hopeful. When people around you have no hope, because you'll see God as He truly is, in all His love for you, in all His power for you, in all His presence and nearness, and, and, and just kick-buttedness. You'll see that. 
and you'll see yourself as he sees you. And when you do that, your heart starts to soar and your hope goes off the charts. And that, that leash that you were on for your soul snaps and disintegrates. And you soar on wings as eagles. And nothing, nothing, nothing can steal your hope. You will not have a life that is filled with pain and regret. You will not. But memories of hope and rescue. As Jesus, as Jesus transforms your memories. As Jesus transforms those darkest moments where we felt most abandoned and least rescued, they now, they now are times when we realize He was there. Not only are we forgiven on that side, but we're healed on the other. And that makes this something that used to rob our hope. Because we, we just looked back or avoided looking back at times when we felt abandoned. And it transforms this rearview mirror of your life into stories of His faithfulness when your eyes and your body and your heart and your soul and the newspapers or whatever would say, you were abandoned. No, I was rescued. Even in that. So this becomes a mirror of God's faithfulness. And we could go on with hope 24 times. More than that, for an eternity. And you can hope again. You can hope again. What are you going to do with all this new hope? What are you going to apply it to? Your friendships? It's a good one. Your family, your marriage, your home, your future, what, the what comes next in your life, wherever you are. Your work, money, health. Your purpose, the glorious reason God made you and you're going to discover, apply it to all of them, all at the same time because you're never going to run out. That's the kind of life that God promises. That's the hope that Jesus lost all hope to give you. That's a hopeless picture of God on a cross. He emptied himself of hope so you could have it. Empty himself of life so you could have it. Cash it in. Cash it in. And this will be cease to be something we avoid, but we look at with great joy. Great joy. Remember that every time you back out of the parking spot and look up in the mirror, which I pray that you do. Remember that. Because when that happens... You don't have to stare in the rearview mirror. You can look out of the windshield of the future of God's plan for you and be blinded in the best way by the glorious hope of Jesus Christ who loves you, heals you, forgives you, sets you free, and bathes you with hope. He restores your soul, and with Him, all things are possible. So get your hopes up because you won't be disappointed. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You are so good um, that even um, the things that we avoid, 
even the things that have caused us the greatest pain, you say, um, I was there. I was there. I'm turning it into victory. I'm turning it into hope. I'm turning it into healing. Lord, um, that's hard for us to believe sometimes. But the more time that we spend with you, the easier that becomes. Lord, let us see you as you are. Let us see ourselves as you see us. Lord, help us to experience the fact that you took our place. To forgive us completely. Heal us completely. So that we might hope in you. In Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.